الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين رب الأولين والآخرين ورب الخلائق أجمعين وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وهو الذي في السماء رب وإله يعبد ويطاع وفي الأرض رب وإله يعبد ويطاع لله ما في السماوات وما في الأرض وإن تبدوا ما في أنفسكم أو تخفوه يحاسبكم به الله فيغفر لمن يشاء ويعذب من يشاء والله على كل شيء قدير وأشهد أن سيدنا ومولانا وعزيزنا محمدا صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم عبد الله ورسوله خاتم أنبيائه لا نبي بعده لقد كان لكم في رسول الله أسوة حسنة لمن كان يرجو الله واليوم الآخر وذكر الله كثيرا من يطع الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا مضل له ومن يعصي الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا هادي له أما بعد Dear committed Muslims, dear committed brothers and dear committed sisters All of us I think this is uh, superfluous to say, but all of us concede with our hearts, with every fiber in us, our subservience to Allah and His Prophet. Obviously, Allah's words all of the Muslims agree are preserved from when they were revealed until life ceases to exist in this world they are preserved in the Quran no doubt no question but we have the words the sentences the statements and the ideas that are attributed to our Prophet This is where we have, we can trace most of the problems that we have in our world today we can trace them to this body of hadith Allah's words about which we have no doubt vouch for Allah's Prophet Noon wal qalami wa ma yasturoon ma anta bi ni'mati rabbika bi majnoon wa innaka la'ala khuluqin azeem to the end of these ayat. And there are many ayat in the Quran in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us the impeccable character of Allah's Prophet. But we have, unfortunately, and it works its way out in the conflicts and the potential conflagrations among us today. We have 
what is called hadith attributed to Allah's Prophet and they are not hadiths they are not words or instructions or information or explanations that the Prophet himself offered us and they are to be found in many of the hadith books many of the tafsir books many of the Islamic literature books all over the place what has happened this is probably one of the most important news items that did not see the light of day in the mainstream media one of the most important things that is being done and may Allah reward those who are doing this there's a book of hadiths called Mafatih al-Jinan it's about 110 volumes and there is an effort in the Islamic Republic to cleanse this book of hadiths that are not hadiths this is a breakthrough effort of course probably they're on I don't know exactly they're probably on volume number seven or eight at this moment and there's a long way to go if we're speaking about hundred and ten volumes but it is the type of effort that is required in our time and day I don't think I hope I'm wrong but I don't think in my lifetime it will be coming in the years to come but I don't think in my lifetime we're gonna see a similar effort in which there is going to be serious sincere Islamic scholars in the Sunni context who will take a hard look at the contents in the books of al sihah Al-Bukhari and Muslim, Al-Tirmidhi, Ibn Majah, Al-Nisa'i, Abu Dawood, Al-Imam Ahmad, these books and that is why the Islamic orientation in Iran proves itself to be ahead of the rest of these other Muslims who are lagging behind I as you know I express myself with Allah's help and I've encountered one of one of the enlightened Muslims we're not speaking about someone who's wrapped up in archaic thoughts and throwback mentality no a very enlightened Muslim and I brought up the issue of some of the hadiths that are in the sihah that don't belong there and he said no this issue we cannot touch forget about it uh, I'm uh, paraphrasing this is about a couple of years ago he said forget about anything like that now if an enlightened uh, open-minded uh, what some people may call quote-unquote progressive Sunni scholar from Egypt is saying that no this whole issue is off-limits don't even think about it then you realize that there is quite a distance to go to try to convince we have the talent the Muslims they have the qualifications they have the knowledge to take on this issue they just don't have the courage to break through the accumulation of 1400 years almost of this type of 
holiness that they have around these books to try to make myself clear on this issue obviously I can't visit the many hadiths the many quotations in the books of hadiths that the Prophet did not say but I have to give you an example I've done this before I'm going to do it again because the subject is so important in the tafsir of Al-Qurtubi one of the well-known mainstream tafsirs in Surah Ghafir there's a hadith that is relayed by Khalid ibn Ma'dan on the authority of Ka'b al-Ahbar we spoke about Ka'b al-Ahbar previously now we encounter him again so what does he say he said this is in the tafsir literature which is supposed to come under the hadith element in the tafsir literature it says when Allah created the throne meaning his throne it said Allah has not created anything more significant than I this throne began to shiver out of its magnificence at that moment Allah engrossed encircled the throne he encircled it with a snake that has 70,000 wings in every wing there is 70,000 feathers in every feather there is 70,000 faces in every face there is 70,000 mouths in every mouth there is 70,000 tongues يَخْرُجُ مِنْ أَفْوَاهِهَا فِي كُلِّ يَوْمٍ مِنَ التَّسْبِيحِ عَدَدُ قَطَرَاتِ قَطْرِ الْمَطَرِ Coming out of those, of those mouths every day in the form of tasbih, praising Allah, is the number of rain droplets that fall. and the number of leaves there are on trees and the number of stones and sand and the number of days in the world and the number of all the angels combined this snake with all of these 70,000 that you listen to this snake wrapped itself around the throne now the throne half of it was covered by this snake 
as it wahiya multawiyatun as it was wrapped around it fatawadha inda dhalik at that time this throne became humble this is this passes i just gave you it right now verbatim what is supposed to pass within hadith literature that is lodged in our tafsir i could not bring more than example than this there are many other examples like this and we are living with them and they are quoted on the manabir they are quoted in islamic study circles and they're attributed to our beloved prophet may allah's peace and blessings be upon him they say the prophet said these things and they are taken from whom from kaab al-ahbar a yahudi rabbi who said he became a muslim he came to al-madina he said he became a muslim and he found access to the leader of the Muslims at that time, Umar. And he began to speak to Umar. You see, we have this problem. From that time until our day, if someone comes from what is perceived to be an elitist background, whether it has to do with religion as a rabbi, or whether it has to do with power, as a statesman or was it whether it has to do with wealth as a tycoon a very successful businessman people coming from those backgrounds when they say that they are Muslim somehow the Muslim psychology opens up and begins to think that they are authorities in this case they began to query this person, Ka'ab al-Ahbar, about his knowledge of what is in the Torah. And he gives these types of statements that I saw the prophets, the foretelling of the prophet in a Torah. I saw the character of Umar in the Torah. And after Umar listening to him for a few times, he told him, as long as I'm alive, you are not permitted to say anything attributable to the Prophet. Because he figured out the Yahudi character in him. Things that we've had 1400 years to figure out, and we haven't figured out yet. This was the one, for your inf- this information, because... The assassination of Omar has been a puzzle and it's probably going to remain a puzzle until the day of cumulative knowledge, the day of judgment. No one knows what happened, how he got assassinated. But what we have in our books, it's sort of something that is common information. This Kaab al-Ahbar, three days before Omar was assassinated, told him, you're going to be assassinated, you're, you're going to become, he didn't say assassin. he said, you're going to become a shaheed in three days. How would he know? How do you get this information? Was there some type of secret society at that time? It makes you think like this. Was there some type of secret society at that time? How did he know? The second day he came to Omar, he said, in two more days, you're going to become a shaheed. He said, how am I going to become a shaheed? I'm here in Jazirat uh, al-Arab, in the peninsula of the Arabs. How am I going to be? There's no, this is not a war front. How am I, that's what he meant. How am I going to become a shaheed? On the third day, he said, 24 hours be- before that Fajr prayer that he became a shaheed in, this Kaab al-Ahbar told him, there's one day left. Where did this come from? How do we have a person like this still existing in our books of tafsir, in our books of hadith, in our books of history? Can't we learn? And as you will listen in the coming khutbah, 
in a couple of minutes. As you will listen, we haven't learned. We still have the religious types among us, the quote-unquote, the educated types among us, and those who make decisions for us, they are still listening to today's Kaab al-Ahbar. This person died in his individuality, but his description, his character lives on to today. And we suffer the consequences because we can't touch this subject. As I was told, this subject is off limits. You, you can't question the books of hadith until we build up enough confidence, enough relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Until we can build until we build up that level of courage and self-reliance and reliance upon Allah, then we're gonna remain. This is this is our condition. We are going to remain hostages of the misinformation and the fabrications and the insults that are attributed to Allah's Prophet in the Quran and in the Sunnah. Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu ittaqullah wa qoolu qawlan sadeeda aqoolu qawli hatha astaghfirullaha li wa lakum du'uhu subhanah wa antum ala yaqeenin bil ijabah wa tubu ila Allah ghafiri al-dhamb wa qabili al-tawb شديد العقاب وإليه المصير الحمد لله بجميع المحامد على جميع النعم وصلى الله وسلم على المبعوث خيرا ورحمة وهدى لكافة الأمم محمد النبي الأمي وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم Dear committed Muslims I want to begin this second khutbah by saying that the Prophet, may Allah's peace and blessings be upon him, said, Afdalul jihad kalimatu haqq fi wajhi sultanin ja'ir. The best form of jihad is to express the word of truth and justice in the face of an oppressive authority, worldly authority. And some people say there's much in these khutbas that dwell on what is happening in the Arabian Peninsula. And the reason for that is that in the Arabian Peninsula, the Prophet May Allah's peace and blessings be upon him was born. In the Arabian Peninsula, we have our Hajj and our Umrah. We have our Mecca and our Medina. We have our burst of Islamic self-determination unto the world scene. So therefore, when something is wrong with that particular, central, pivotal area in our minds, in our hearts, in our history, then obviously we have to express the truth in the face of Sultanin Ja'ir. The Zionists that wish the Muslims no good 
One of their representatives in parliament this past week, she is originally from Iraq. And she expressed the vile statements against the Palestinians. I don't think she confined herself to Muslims. She may have included Christian Palestinians also in her statement, which I will get to in a few minutes. But that Zionist entity ran a study on now their chummy ally, the Saudi ruling class. And they said, the Begin Sadat Research Center said, is not coming from Islamic extremists, Islamic wild cards, said Saudi Arabia spends $4 billion yearly to promote Salafism, Wahhabism around the world, paying $4 billion paid to you know who, whether they are masajid, whether they are preachers, whether they are organizations, whatever they are, that have an Islamic, at least an outward Islamic feature to them. The Mufti of Saudi Arabia in the past couple of days well, before that, there's an attempt to organize a motion of protest. This has been planned for the past couple of weeks, at least. A motion of protest throughout that kingdom against the rulers. People there want freedom of conscience. They want freedom of thought. And they cut across all configurations some of them are islamic some of them are not some of them are secular some of them are not etc etc so they they tried to put together a movement today the 15th of september throughout that kingdom to rally a force that will be recognized by that regime to begin to think about change in a positive direction, not change in a destructive direction. As the Saudi rulers right now, they're talking about change, but they want a type of change that will be to the detriment of that country. So he says, the Mufti of Saudi Arabia is addressing himself to what is called Hirak al-Khamis Ashar min September Aylul the people's motion on the 15th of September. He says, these are false, this is false propaganda. They are blasphemous and they are sponsored by envious groups. These promoters of this event are promoting fitna and trouble and evil and instability. Of course, what do you expect from the official religious mouthpiece of that type of ruling class? And he said, the government, this is still the Mufti speaking, he said the government has to be supported for the sake of security and stability. That regime now is bringing about instability and chaos that we will witness if Allah gives us life in the coming couple of years we will witness the extent of it throughout the Arabian Peninsula. Mark my words. 
And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Behind the scenes, because that the people who rule over Mecca and in Medina, that is in our hearts, that we want to go to, that many Muslims want to go to, but cannot go to, because of their policies. This desperate Saudi ruling class is confidentially behind the scenes telling the Islamic decision makers in Iran to try to work out an end for the war in Yemen. They do this secretly and then when someone in Tehran, when he says this is, we've been approached by the Saudis to try to figure out a way to wind up this war in Yemen. When this public statement is made from Tehran, the Saudis publicly come out and say, we never said such a thing. That is not true. In the past few days, the Saudi regime is sweeping into detention everyone it suspects may pose somewhat of an obstacle to its unfolding policies. And so in this sweep, they took, I'm going to mention two or three names. They took a scholar whose name is Hassan Farhan al-Maliki. He was detained before, they took him and detained him again. Another one they took who is more or less has been within their good favors with the exception of during the 90s between 1994 and 1999 there was a civil stirring inside the country was called a sahwa and he favored that civil stirring for more islamic freedoms so they put him behind bars for about five years in the 90s now he has this person his name is Sheikh Salman Al-Auda he has 14 million followers on Twitter he's well known in certain circles etc but now they've taken him said come come with us security forces go to his house they arrest him and they take him put him behind bars They did the same thing with Awadh al-Qarni, another one of their public figures, Islamic, scholarly type. He has his own opinions about many things. But as far as his relationship with his rulers, they have their doubts about him. So they take him. At last count, I don't know who to believe, some news items say over 20 have been detained two of them women and others say over 30 have been detained and this is not the end of it more is yet to come even one of the relatives son or grandson of king fahad Al-Amir Abdul Aziz ibn Fahd, Abdul Aziz, the son of Fahd, he also has been detained. That was the king, remember, several years ago? In our lifetime, the playboy king. This is his son now being arrested or detained or whatever you want to call it. His mother doesn't know where he is. There are news, there's news in different news sources that a very high-ranking prince from the royal family secretly visited the Zionists in occupied Palestine in the past week. 
for purposes of pushing the peace process forward. You might not know this, some of you might not know this, but this kingdom that is supported by Washington and Tel Aviv, this kingdom had blocked WhatsApp phone calls. You couldn't use WhatsApp to make a call in and out of that kingdom. But no one heard about this. No one hears about the repression of the agents of imperialism and Zionism. No one hears about that repression. If something like that was done in a more Islamic-oriented country, it'd be news, common news everywhere. But because Saudi, as they call it, is their ally, don't mention that type of thing. It, it, it doesn't make good for purposes of national security. Back to that Israeli member of parliament by the name of Elite Shakid. And she is the minister of justice in the Israeli government from Iraqi origins. She described Palestinians as serpents. And she called for for virtual genocide against them. And she has another colleague in the Knesset who suggested that they should voluntarily move out of their own ancestral homeland. Or else, as he said, the Israeli army will do the job for them. The reason why I'm mentioning this is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us enough information about Bani Israel. But these people who have this Wahhabi Salafi type of approach to things, who are linked, because the Wahhabi Salafis are not also a uniformity of, of people. They are groups. But this particular one that is subservient to the ruling class in Arabia, They've come across the word Bani Israel in their total millions of times. And then recently, just recently, their troubleshooter, this guy called, this ex-military guy called Anwar Ishqi, who's been troubleshooting the relationship between Bani Saud and Bani Israel, he gave a statement I have this for anyone wants to see it. He gave a statement in which he said Saudi Arabia is going, I think these are his exact words, is going to build an embassy in, uh, in Tel Aviv. This is the direction that they are going in. What's going to happen? You know, brothers and sisters, you, some of you, have listened to me for many years and you know that I'm the last person to put something in a Sunni Shia dichotomy there's a lot of ignorance by Sunnis towards Shias there's a lot of ignorance by Shias towards Sunnis and I don't want anyone to work up this ignorance into bad feelings but I'm And may Allah forgive me if I'm going to express myself in the following way. This is the way that shayateen al-ins wal-jinn want the future to be. They want Muslims to think in terms of Shia-Sunni conflict. This is the larger picture. We have news for them. Iran is a Shi'i country by and large. Turkey is a Sunni country by and large. The export business between 
Shia Iran and Sunni Turkey in the past year has increased by 80%. Add to that a growing coordination between them on the issues of both Iraq and Syria. There is now, it, 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 was, it was not obvious before, but now it is obvious. There is a polarization and a tension between, quote unquote, Sunni Wahhabis and, quote unquote, Sunni Ikhwanis. The Qatar versus Saudi and company spat these are who are these are there any Shi'is making decisions in Qatar are there any Shi'is making decisions in Saudi Arabia but you have the Sunnis in Saudi Arabia in Bahrain in Egypt in Al Emirat all of these are Sunnis who are making decisions I mean, I'm using the word Sunni here, not in its original, bona fide Islamic definition. There's nothing in the Sunnah of the Prophet that rationalizes the type of animosity that has set in now. But they're called, for purposes of journalism, they're called Sunnis. which has become virtually the capital of al-Ikhwan al-Muslimin. Put it that way, bluntly. This Qatar is seeing a warming of relationship with Shi'i Iran. All ports are being opened in both directions. Seaports, airports, land ports, you name it. And now, the representative of Qatar, after all of these years, remember Qatar's role in the Syrian quagmire, it, it's been extricating itself from it. But during all of these years, the animosity that it showed towards the Islamic Republic, now it says Iran is an honorable state. The representative of Qatar says Iran is an honorable country. Now there is also a meeting of minds, a get-together between Hamas, Sunni Hamas, Sunni Islamic Jihad, and Shi'i Hezbollah. This, where do they go? The Palestinians, the Palestinians who are Sunnis. How are they going to carry on their demand for their rights? They found no other way except to link up with Hezbollah. This, ever since July, June 5th, June 5th, 1967 was a catastrophe for the Palestinians, for the Arabs, and for the Muslims. That was in 1967. June 5th, in 2017, 50 years later, exactly half a century later, has become a catastrophe for yet again the Arabs and the Muslims, because that's the day in which Saudi Arabia, on orders from its masters, we obeyed our masters and our higher ups, but they took us in the wrong direction. That's going to be their confession on the day of judgment. This is what they have. That's what they've done to the Arabian Peninsula. That's what they they're doing to the House of Islam. So. Saudi Arabia is Sunni. Al Emirat is Sunni. Egypt is Sunni. Al Bahrain is Sunni. 
What is it that they have? What is it in their Sunni character that picks a war with Sunni Qatar? Tell us. Don't fall, brothers and sisters. I'm using, as I said, I'm using these words to approximate, to have you see through what is being planned for the coming years. What Saudi Arabia is doing today when it's taking its own scholars to prison. These are not Shi'i scholars. These are Sunni scholars. The Sunni, quote unquote, the Sunni Saudi regime is taking Sunni Saudi scholars to prison. Is this a Sunni Shi'i issue? And then, right now, these 20, 30 odd groups, major groups inside Syria that are Sunnis, that are in opposition to the government in Damascus, they are beginning now to fight among themselves. Where, what is it in their understanding of the Sunnah? Remember, this wide body of literature that has to be cleansed and filtered. But they draw on that to kill themselves. And at the end of the day, this side is Sunni with its multiple factions. And the other side is Sunni with its multiple factions. Inside Syria. You know, on the, you may know, on the 25th of this month, that's another 10 days, there's going to be a referendum in Kurdistan, the geographical area that is inhabited predominantly by Kurds inside of Iraq. They're going to open the ballot boxes and count the votes for the Kurds who want independence. There was a vote inside the Iraqi parliament and the Sunni bloc inside the Iraqi parliament voted against the referendum. The Kurds are Sunnis. The Iraqi Arabs are Sunnis. The ones that we're talking about. And they voted. What? So what is it in the Sunnah that both of them claim that they are that justifies opposite positions that could lead to serious warfare. What is it? And then Turkey sends, Turkey is a Sunni state, it sends its troops to Qatar to defend the Qatari Sunnis against the Sunnis from Saudi Arabia, Al Emirat, Egypt, and Bahrain. And then Qatar, just today, tells its citizens, beware of flying into Egypt. There's been occasions in which Qataris arriving in Egypt have been harassed at the port of entry. So the government is telling them, it's not our responsibility. If something to you happens, you're going to Egypt. You're responsible for that. We are not. We don't know what the consequences could be. These are Sunnis. Now you tell me, what is there in the hadith of Allah's Prophet that gives explanation to all of this? We are back to the days of Al-Aws and Al-Khazraj. There's no Quran. There's no Sunnah that justifies all of this. And they keep on putting people to sleep here in these masajid. And look at what's happening. The whole world is collapsing around us. No one wants to speak about these issues with an insight from Allah and His Prophet. And we go from Jumu'ah to Jumu'ah, from bad to worse. Allahumma arina al-haqqa haqqan warzuqna attiba'ah. Wa arina al-batila batilan warzuqna ajtinaabah. وَلَا تَجْعَلْهُ مُلْتَبِسًا عَلَيْنَا وَجْعَلْنَا لِلْمُتَّقِينَ إِمَامًا رَبَّنَا إِنَّنَا سَمِعْنَا مُنَادِيًا يُنَادِي لِلْإِيمَانِ أَنْ آمِنُوا بِرَبِّكُمْ
فآمنا ربنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وكفر عنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الأبرار ربنا وآتنا ما وعدتنا على رسلك ولا تخزنا يوم القيامة إنك لا تخلف الميعاد ربنا صل وبارك على محمد وآل محمد ربنا صل وبارك على إبراهيم وآل إبراهيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر ومن أظلم ممن منع مساجد الله أن يذكر فيها اسمه وسعى في خرابها أولئك ما كان لهم أن يدخلوها إلا خائفين لهم في الدنيا خزي ولهم في الآخرة عذاب عظيم إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعظكم لعلكم تذكرون ولذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون يعلم خائنة الأعين وما تخفي الصدور وأقم الصلاة وأرحنا بها الله أكبر الله أكبر أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله حي على الصلاة حي على الفلاح قد قامت الصلاة